The UK's agricultural food and supply chain is worth a staggering £110 billion. The UK's highest research and development of agri-food technologies can be found in the east of England. And this region has the highest farming productivity by capital consumption and by land in the UK. Food, glorious food. The development of this rapidly growing sector and its support networks of agritech, agriculture, biotechnology and biological sciences can best be seen at Honingham, just outside Norwich. Here, the Food Enterprise Park is steadily taking shape and Clark Willis MBE invited me to come and see how the park is progressing. It's a beautiful May morning up the gentle incline is the Food Enterprise Park, the focus of our visit here today. It's really exciting to be able to uh, give you an audio peek into this really exciting development for Norfolk and for the east of England. We're here with Clark Willis, MBE. Clark, we are surrounded by furious activity, diggers, concrete, metal coming out of the ground. What's, what's the purpose of this? Mike, Mike, what's the main story at the moment? Power, electricity. It certainly is. And uh, although we talk about electricity, what we've got in this side of Norwich is actually a dearth of it. Mm -hmm. So we have now decided that uh, we need more power for the Food Enterprise Park and for other developments this side of Eastern. So we are now building a connection to that pylon you see there, which is actually on Eastern College land, only 100 metres yeah. from where we are and we're going to run uh, cables down from that into the ground. Yep. It's what's called a 132 connection. And what you see in front of you, which is a massive substation, people it talk about is. little substation. This is a massive substation, which will bring the power from that, from, from that pylon in uh, and, and distribute it into the FEP. Meanwhile, about half a mile from here, the other side of Honingham Thorpe, there is planning in for a hundred acres of solar. Excellent. And the most important thing is these uh, cables that you can see on this pylon bring the power from Sheringham Shoal ashore. Yes. So what we've got is wind power coming through there, solar power coming from the field. So the Food Enterprise Park probably is one of the, the foremost in terms of enterprise parks in the region that will be using uh, renewable power to power all the activities on this 100-acre site. That is amazing and that's such good news for the region. Even the diggers got a windmill painted on the side of it. It's so fantastic that we're taking advantage of those renewable forms of energy, which is exactly where we should be, and there's no reason why we can't be doing that. We can see all sorts of really technical-looking uh, electrical gubbins already, already taking shape in, in the pieces of concrete that are already down there. So our, our contractors, our main contractors are over mill, Mm -hmm. Our electrical contractors who, who have overseen the whole uh, is East Solutions, both have done a superb job. This, only a few months ago, was a, 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 a total empty site. Yeah. And you can see the work that's gone in. The preforming of these concrete areas are really important because they will hold the generation, the transformers, to actually take this power ahead. 
So this site will be adopted by UK Power Networks yeah. and our, our partner at what's called an IDNO, which is Vattenfall. Right. And all the switch gear we're, uh, on here, because actually what we've got on the Food Enterprise Park is relatively unique in that we've just got one connection to the grid. Yeah. 30 meg of grid power, 30 meg of solar, uh, one connection, because we then run a private network. Yeah. Which means that we can take the solar and sell it to those that are on the site here. Oh, wow. That's, that's such joined up thinking. And it's, it, it really is a, a delight to hear that. And um, I mean, on a day like this, the, the solar itself will be producing an amazing amount. I mean, I know just from our own roof, the, the amount we can make on a, a, a day like this. But are you, are you, is any of that going back into the grid or is that all for your, your own? No, so this connection that we've got here, this 132 connection with UK Power Networks has got an export port capacity as well. Excellent. So, mm -hmm. so we will be, be spilling what we can't use, but, but actually technology is moving on in such a pace now that actually batteries yes. are going to be the next element so that we actually capture that sun rays in terms of its, its uh, uh, solar and use it during the, uh, during the night. Yeah. And as we go onto the Food Enterprise Park, you'll see some of the sites that we've got there. Uh, these are relatively large power users, but, but actually the most important thing is the power is going to be renewables. And we all know that, that electric vehicles and electric power is going to be the thing of the future. This is future-proofing the Food Enterprise Park for the next generation. Future-proofing, that is a key word and that's so important and it's, it's going to really hand the East of England, I think, a, a fantastic advantage in addressing some of the key questions that the Food Enterprise Park is, 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 is going to be addressing. So we're here now on the Food Enterprise Park proper with Clark Willis and we're looking at the plant that belongs to Condimentum. Tell us about Condimentum, Clark, because they're, they're, they're really sort of running with a, with a fantastic Norfolk legacy, aren't they? Uh, absolutely. Um, and, and Condimentum were our first sale on site. They're on a three-acre plot. Everyone thinks that Coleman's have moved out of Norwich. Mm. They haven't. No. They are here. And in fact, a unique business in a lot of ways and a really good story. So the growers of mint and mustard had their own associations, a mint growers association, a mustard growers association, working with Coleman's over the decades, hundreds of years, as, as, as you well know. Yeah. And uh, they, they, back in 2017, formed a company called Condimentum Limited. And as Coleman's were moving out, they worked with Unilever to develop a, a plant that you see here, which is a new next generation plant for the dry, super fine mustard flour that we know as Coleman's. Yeah. And the mint, Coleman's mint. And the growers got together, they own the company. They had a lot of support from, from Coleman's in terms of the processors. But these guys are really switched on now because they are actually taking mint and mustard to the next level. They've got a long-term contract to supply Coleman's. So the famous yellow tins of yes. Coleman's mustard are actually packed in that building there. And what you see in front of you is, is, is the milling tower, 20 
uh, meter high milling tower, only one of three in the world. It's fantastic that, that that's still here and people, I think, will be really pleased to know that that's still continuing here. So we're here in the middle of, uh, of May and, and actually next week is the start of the mint harvest. Really? There are four growers of mint here in Norfolk and this is strategically placed because they're brought in with that famous Coleman's trailer right. that people will see on the road. Yes. That actually comes into here and the mint processing is in the far end of the building here. Okay. Where the mint is actually taken, it's washed, uh, and then it's uh, cooked, and actually it goes into 1,000 litre IBUs to go to Burton-on-Trent, to the Unilever uh, packing station there, where it's put into the famous little jars of Coleman's mustard. Okay. But I think the most important thing to say about this is actually it's, an, a, it's a really good example of what we're trying to do on the park. Yes. So the background to this, this, this uh, whole area here is, is a, uh, a designation by Liz Truss when she was Secretary of State back in 2015 to, of the, what's called the Greater Norwich Food Enterprise Zone. Yes. It includes the showground. Our neighbours across there are Eastern mm -hmm. College and, and, and ourselves. We've got 100 acres here of what was a greenfield site. So if we roll the clock back till 2018, there was nothing on this That's site right, whatsoever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I now understand what sunk costs are. Yes. This was a vision, this whole park was the vision of Ian Alston. Yes, The owner was. of Honningham Thorpe. So Ian, James and myself are directors of the Food Enterprise Park. And it's great from my point of view, having retired from Anglia Farmers, to get involved in a project such as this. Because what this is about is adding value to what comes off farmers' Absolutely. Fields. So important. And that is the key element that we are currently missing in this part of the world. Mm. We, we, we produce nearly 10% of the UK's primary products at a farm gate level in Norfolk. Mm. And, and take Suffolk, it's, it's, it's higher than that. What we are not very good at is adding value to that throughout the food chain. Yes, absolutely. The numbers are stark. It used to be said that a pound at Farmgate was worth five pounds at first stage processing and 10 pounds when you would buy it in a retailer. Yeah. The reality is it's more like a pound is worth eight pounds at first stage processing. That's the added value that's coming of taking mustard that's grown in the fields of Cambridgeshire and Norfolk and adding value to it through a process like this. Yes. And then up to 15, 20% when it actually is on a supermarket shelf. So if you look at that whole food supply chain, the output from farms, six and a half billion pounds, something like that, 6.5 billion, actually the whole food supply chain is worth nearly 140 billion pounds. Wow. And if we could add value to even half what we produce in Norfolk, that would be worth two billion pounds a year in added value to this part of the country. And that is the vision that you see here. To see it actually taking shape is amazing. And you're so right to say that there's so much, you know, we're exporting so much of that added value when we could be making it right here in the east of England. I think it's important to say that, that, that what we've got on site here is, is a, virtually a 50-50 split. So there's 50 acres 
along a line here that actually is in Broadland District Council. Yeah. And the other 50 is in South Norfolk District Council. Yes. That made it very difficult when we got the food enterprise zone status to actually um, uh, bring forward what's called a local development order. Yes. So Broadland District Council uh, did a superb job in bringing forward a, 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 an order that basically gives us planning permission uh, with, with restrictions in terms of noise, uh, height uh, and design and also a park feel. This isn't industrial estate. You see a lot of trees around, a you, lot of you grass. You do, yeah. And that's important because th this is an enterprise park for us to take food that's produced uh, in, 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 in Norfolk and add value to it. Yeah. And, and at the, at the uh, condimentum was the first on, on site. There are, have been a number of other plot sales since. And what we've got in development at the moment are, are I guess, two really interesting projects. Uh, one is the Food Innovation Centre. Yeah. So, so we, we had thought for a long time, you imagine Coleman starting up in business as they did nearly 200 years ago, the innovation that went into producing what is a brand now. Yeah. And we need to actually put a, a, a foundation in place so that lots of lots of, of entrepreneurs who are innovating have got the facilities uh, and the support to actually bring product, new products to market. The whole food and drink market is changing. I don't need to tell you that. No, you don't. Uh, the, the, the supermarket shelves look completely different to <laughs> when I was growing up in the 60s and 70s. If you look at the ready meals, the added value, the plant-based foods, yeah. the more thought about healthy and nutritional eating, uh, and, and, and that means that we've, we need to have a place that they, those businesses can grow and thrive. So the Food Innovation Centre has been uh, built by Broadland District Council uh, with, with a lot of support from New Anglia LEP, Mm -hmm. uh, who, who have been, again, very supportive in terms of what we're doing here. Excellent, yeah. What there is is 13 food-grade units which are available to rent. So those people that currently are working in a shed or even in their kitchen starting to conceive and develop new food and drink products will be able to go to a location where basically all of the... Um, uh, all, all of the support network is there. There's test kitchens. Um, there is an innovation program that is being run by Hethel. Yes. Uh, and and uh, together with support from UEA that's building a food and drink cluster, uh, what we're doing is creating a community for innovation development of food and drink here in, in, in Norfolk. And, and that, to me, is really, really important. It's absolutely critical. You, you think of startups and scale. I mean, you think particularly in innovation centres, you think particularly in the tech space, but that's, I mean, a, a digital technology, but that's so, you know, that's, that's, that's quite reductive thinking when you think about all, all, the, all the developments we're going to need as um, our traditional sources of food get impacted by, well, the war in Ukraine is now, what, in its fourth, fourth month? and that's impacting wheat prices and the changes of the way we're going to be consuming meat. 
It's so important to be able to sort of get people who have got a good idea, give them the space and the opportunity to run with that and, and maybe make a real difference and bring down the cost of food. Yes, but it's, it's adding value to what we've got. I think the relationship in terms of our location here, if you think about it, only a few miles round the A47, we've got the Norwich Research Park. Absolutely. Absolutely incredible operation in terms of the science base there for plant nutrition, healthy eating. And, and the working together that we're doing to actually bring products forward to look at, 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 at our diet, our nutrition, what, what, we, what we're eating, what we're drinking is, is actually really important. And, and that connectivity, is, is, this is one part of that. So these units will, will basically be used by food and drink businesses uh, looking to innovate, develop, uh, supply retail markets, which are important, and also create scale. And, and then be, on to be able to move to larger units here on, on the Food Enterprise Park that they actually can get to the next level and the next level. And what we need is the condimentums of the future yeah. that actually emerge from, uh, from that Food Innovation Centre. It, it opens in August of this year. Uh, ready to go. There's a lot of interest in it. There is, uh, and well, massive, there should be. Massive development, uh, and that will, will, I guess, give a vision to those um, that, that are thinking about coming into this industry. Because actually, sometimes we think this industry is about agriculture and farming. It isn't. The, no. the, the food supply chain is massive, if you look at it. Uh, and, and we joke that you need a doctor probably once, twice a year, but you actually need a farmer and you need that food chain three or four times. You've, you've just had a cup of coffee. Yeah, absolutely. Think yeah. of the process that goes in to you produce having a cup of coffee with some milk in it. Yeah. Right? That, that, that is a whole chain that, 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 that there's a lot of people involved in. And we're seeing the challenge of food chains right now globally. Yeah. With, with the war that's happening in Ukraine and, and the effect that that's having. And I think that sometimes we don't think about where our food comes from. Not just security of food, but, but what processes does it go through? Because, because actually the purer we can get, the more healthy it is. And, and the work going back to the NRP, uh, we, we now have, have uh, developed a high potential opportunity with the Department of Trade to actually take what's being done on the NRP out to the world to create some inward investment mm -hmm. because there's a lot of developments that are going on in the food and drink industry, particularly at the moment around plant-based foods. Yeah. Uh, that is a challenge to a traditional farmer with, yeah. with, with hens or pigs or just growing wheat that feed livestock. And that's part of what we call that fourth revolution, which we'll come to in a moment with the, with the uh, vertical farm, that is basically using technology uh, right the way through. It's incredible because I, I'm so blessed that uh, there'll be listeners to this programme in America, in India, and in the European Union, who'll be, I think, really, really, in, really and should be really interested to know and really uh, excited about what's happening here in the east of England and their opportunities to get involved because behind you there's to my left 
there's the condimentum plant, which you might be able to hear just quietly humming away. But there's all this opportunity stretching out around us for people to come and get involved in this in this park. What's the demand like in terms of managing people sort of coming coming in and, and, and looking for space to do to do to get involved in in the chain? Well, we're 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 in essence just over two years in, uh, and and we we all have got. Um, options and, and sales on nearly half of the LDO1 land. We are now working with South Norfolk District Council to bring forward LDO2 to, into the next phase, so that'll happen by 2023. And I think the other important thing to, to, to note about the site that we've got here, which, which, is, which is again part of its connectivity, is that we've got an upgrade at A47 that's going just to the north of where we are. And actually this entrance we came into by 2020, end of 24 will be closed and there will yeah. be a new entrance into the site. Um, straight on to the A47, which is dual carriageway links straight to Norfolk. <laughs> Would you, would you consider yourself, you, you say you've re retired in inverted commas, but all the times I've heard you speak over the years to various audiences, you've always presented this really honest, frank, very future-minded, future-proof vision for where agriculture needs to be, for food production needs to be. Would you consider yourself a futurist? I guess the simple answer to that is yes. I'm... I guess I'm, I, right the way through my life, have, have challenged the norm. Mm -hmm. um, both my grandfathers were dairy farmers. When I started out in the industry, there were 100,000 dairy farmers in the country. Yeah. Uh, you look at now, we're down to six, six and a half thousand. Uh, production uh, in terms of the amount of milk is, is staying relatively the same. But, but you know the pressures on the market where people are perceiving that almond milk or soya milk is, is more healthy. If you actually look at the supply chain for something like almond milk, it is frightening in terms of its water use. Right. And therefore, we do need to think about the planet, environment. So my world has always been about food, water and the environment. And those are the three building blocks of, 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 of people. And, and it's very di difficult for us to get our minds around some of those things. We glibly talk about net zero and climate change. You'll hear everyone putting them into their presentations. What does it actually mean? How are we actually going to deliver some of those things for the future? What are we doing at the moment to ensure that we can hand this world over to the next generation, to my grandchildren, in, in a way that we would feel comfortable about. Uh, if, I, if I look back on my 70 years in terms of what I've done, uh, massive amounts of fertiliser I remember putting on crops, yeah. right? uh, pulling out of hedges. There's been a complete reversal of that right now. I, I would estimate that about 10% of Norfolk farmland this year will, will have come out of production to go into environmental schemes. Now, whether that's right or wrong, that is actually government policy. Yes. DEFRA have moved away from 
a what's called uh, subsidies on food, mm -hmm. and many listeners won't necessarily <laughs> know that. Yeah. But by 2027, they will have disappeared completely, right? Right. And and that that funds are going into environmental schemes, uh, and and yes, that's absolutely great in terms of what the countryside looked like. But where is our food for the future going to come from? And and that is something that should exercise all of our minds. Uh, and it was very easy for the government to, to say, well, we'll import it. What we're seeing over the last few months yes. is, is actually, where on earth are we going to import it from? So I think food security will come more onto the agenda than it has before, mm. but it will be different. And yes, as a futurist, there are some challenges. I, I, am, I am concerned uh, but uh, if I look to the future, I'm not sure we will have a pig and poultry industry like we've got right now. Yeah. 70% of the land mass that we've got produces crops that feed livestock. And I guess we need to ask ourselves a grown-up question, is that sustainable long-term? Because we are moving to a scenario of plant-based foods, and, and, and although I hate to say it, things like lab meat. Uh, I, I don't necessarily be, want to be one that, 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 that eats it, but, but if I look forward, it, it's quite interesting. If we did a poll of, of a group of people 60 years ago and asked them who smoked, most of them would have put their hands up. Yeah. And yet there we are, a few decades on, if you ask the same question, you'd get only one or two. Yeah. And, and I've seen generational change from that point of view and therefore looking forward, some of the stuff that we, we, you think about actually will, will start to happen. And what it needs are innovative thinkers. I joke, but it's actually quite true. There was a group that got together back in the uh, 1860s who said we need to improve communication. Yeah. And they said, right, well, better breed a faster racing pigeon, hadn't we? <laughs> yes. Right? It took a bright spot to actually say, we need a piece of string with two tin cans on the end. Yeah. Right? And that, to me, was, was real innovation. Yeah. So a lot of stuff we talk about in innovation is, is, is just marginal change. It's those massive steps. The quantum leap, that, yeah. That actually make the difference. And, and here, is, here uh, is an example of one of those. Ex a very, very right. nice segue. Yes, Fisher Farms. So, so what we've got developing uh, across the world, and, and, and there's a massive investment going on across the world in what's called CEA, Controlled Environment Agriculture. Yeah. So not just vertical farms, but, but greenhouses. And, yes. and we know around the A47, there's a big set of greenhouses using, using heat from, from ground source and, and from Anglian water uh, that are producing tomatoes. Something like 10% of the UK's tomatoes produced in one site. Yeah. And, and controlled environment agriculture, CEA, is the way forward. Absolutely no question from my point of view. Yeah. So what you see developing here, which will be up and running by the end of the year, is the world's largest vertical farm. Right. Now, people think, oh, that means you've got a really tall building. 
actually, that, that's about no, eight metres quite modest, high. Quite modest, yeah. Uh, the reality is, within it are trays of growing material that will be anything between six and ten high. Uh, fueled by LED lights using renewable energy. Yeah. Five percent of the amount of water that you would use in a in a crop-based field as situation. As low as that. No agrochemicals, mm. and of course a small amount of fertilizer within the water that that's fed through. Grown in inert material. Uh, this plant here, if it just grew rocket, would grow. 70,000 bags of rocket a day, 365 days a year. It's the equivalent of nearly a thousand acres of high-grade farmland. Yeah. In one building. Yes, uh, if, so if you look at that in terms of its potential to actually replicate itself around the world, all of a sudden you, you've got a network of of growing that could feed villages in Africa right the way through to large yeah. populations. So Singapore, for instance, produced a virtually zero of, of its food. Its plan by 2030 is to produce at least a third of its food itself using, using controlled the... environment agriculture. Wow, that's, that's incredible. Isn't, isn't what they make as well doesn't it last a lot longer? Uh, you're absolutely right. So, so again, food supply chains. You yeah. go into a retailer, you go into Marks and Spencers or Tesco, and you see a, ba a bag of mixed salad. What you forget is that that was actually picked in a field in Spain probably four or five days ago, uh, was then chilled and gas added to the bag, put on a truck, and moved right the way through on a truck through France, mm -hmm. across the channel, into the retailer for you to pick it up and look, oh, it's not got a very not a good shelf life. I can, yeah, you know, two days. Yeah. Because of the way that this is produced and chilled immediately, there'll be something between 10 and 12 days shelf life on it. Yeah. And that, of course, does the other thing that is our big challenge, which is waste. Mm. Food waste. Yes. Uh, and, and I can't think of how many bags of lettuce <laughs> are actually thrown, thrown away. Yeah. Um, uh, of course, uh, gr growing green leaves is, is the first stage. Yeah. Um, the second stage is growing fruit. And you've got people like Dyson who, who actually built big uh, uh, complexes of greenhouses fueled by uh, anaerobic digestion across in Lincolnshire. Have a look in your supermarket, you'll see Dyson strawberries. Right. So, so, so the next stage in terms of this is, is uh, crops like strawberries and blueberries. The ultimate, which will come maybe another decade, is growing wheat, rice, soy Amazing. in a facility like this. And all of a sudden, harvests change from being once a year to every few months. That, that is amazing that, I mean, we, we really are in, in the east of England leading the way on, on, on the new agriculture, if I can be so grandiose and call it that. <laughs> the new agriculture is happening right here in the east of England with sort of Fisher Farms, Condimentum, fantastic. Uh, I'm, I'm usually 
usually I'm quite hyperbolic, but I'm, I'm kind of lost for words because it, it makes you really proud and really pleased that these things are, are in hand. That, that you're right, people are having the difficult and the challenging conversations about, but the necessary ones, what can we do and how do we do it? And I think it's brilliant, utterly brilliant. Should we move on? Yes. So, sorry about the noise, but this is a <laughs> very right. busy it's an active site. It's better than it being nothing happening. It's all happening. So, I, I, the, the, the road network, the surface water drainage uh, that we, we, is in place. So, what, what we've got is fully serviced side here. Yeah. Um, and, and we've got a three-acre infiltration lagoon uh, in the next field that's taking all the surface water from here. Yeah. So, so that's part of the infrastructure that the Food uh, Enterprise Park has put in uh, at cost. But this, this road network that we've put in is adoptable standard. Yeah. And our long-term vision is that you'll come off the A47 on the new dueling and, and there will be buses running through here uh, as well as cycleways. What's going to run here is a cycleway. Brilliant. Uh, because, because we are quite close to, to housing at, yeah. East, at, at, at Easton, for instance. Uh, and, and that, to me, brings a new way of working. I guess the other important thing to say is that when we first conceived this, we thought there'd be thousands of people employed on site. Yeah. The reality is that technology is taking over massively. And actually, the, there are fewer roles, but higher paid roles. Yes. And, and therefore, the technology that goes into running a plant like Condimentum or a vertical farm like Fisher requires different skills from some, I guess, some of the practical skills that people necessarily think about. A lot of technology. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, that's, that's, that's the march of progress, but it's great that there are such high value jobs and that and what that brings with it so experts looking to make a, you know a home here in in, in Norfolk in the east of England and and, and take take those jobs or, or preferably we actually create the experts we need here uh, absolutely because because some of the things that we're doing now are relatively leading edge mm. um, and 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 therefore, I know that, that Fisher Farms are looking to create PhD programs uh, to actually inform, develop, because this isn't technology that's, that's in a book. Mm. It's not, it, it, this, this is real live um, uh, entrepreneurial innovation right under our, uh, our noses. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and and we, are, we are moving to this next level uh, at, at pace, but also uh, challenging ourselves as to the best way to do what we need to do. Yeah, I love I love doing this. I love doing this because it it just it reassures you that things are in such such good hands, and that you know people like yourself and the people working here uh, are just th thinking those thoughts that we need to be thought to to actually uh, and providing such a joined up vision of a site like you say buses coming through cycleways you've got your own wi-fi network i believe we've got our own wi-fi network don't ever anyone tell you that there is no wi-fi in norfolk no we have got a gig so so the the developers of this site in front of us which is the food innovation center is wilmot dixon yeah uh, one of the large 
developers across the country. Um, they have got 300 meg, which is all they wanted for their site. That's more than they've got at head office. <laughs> and they're in the middle of fields. Yeah, fields everywhere, yeah. Right? So we've worked with InTouch Solutions, who, who I worked with long term at, at Anglia Farmers. We've created a network of, of, um, of, of repeaters across the whole county. Yeah. Right? They oh, also wow. own Yspire, which has got I, the repeaters yeah, mm -hmm. on churches. But just across there in, in, in our woods is, is one of those uh, repeaters. There's another one up just on, on the hill there. Yep. And, and that is feeding Wi-Fi through, but, but we've actually taken it back to base and we've got a network cable running the right the way through here. Yeah. Um, there is no excuse at all for anybody to say they can't get good, mm. good, uh, good connectivity. No excuse. The technology is now there to do it. You have to work at it. It doesn't come just in a plug in the wall, mm -hmm. sometimes you have to have a thought process, but it is there. For, there is a solution for anybody and everybody to get that connectivity. And if there's one thing that makes my blood boil, it's when <laughs> somebody says to me, I can't get very good broadband. Yeah. <laughs> well, I say, if you are listening to this in, in, in California, in North Carolina, which is our kind of two hot, hot spots for listeners in the States, in India, uh, Australia, um, France, Germany, Spain, you really want to come and have a look because this, 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 is, this is where it's happening and, and, I, and I believe and I trust that a lot of the developments in, in food technology over the, the coming decades, they're going to be pioneered here. You need to come and see for yourself. I'm, Clark, Clark's doing a fantastic job of ex explaining it all to us, but it's, it, it's got to be seen, which is probably not the best line for a podcast, but there we are. <laughs> So, so yes, I'm very happy to show anyone around. We, we've, uh, one, one of the things that I did during lockdown, because we, we all needed to find something to do, yeah. is bought myself quite a good drone. Yes. Uh, and therefore, at weekends, I just come in here and take drone shots. So all the drone shots that you'll <laughs> sort of see uh, on, on LinkedIn, et cetera, et cetera, are actually stuff that I've taken on site here. Um, so, so we've got a massive library of, of, of those shots as these buildings grow and develop. Yeah. Um, and and we've, when people say, did you have a master plan in terms of the way that it would look? The reality is, yes, we decided we would put a central road through because through there and then down to the, to the right is, is where our new entrance will be. Yeah. But the reality is... That, that it's being formed to a large extent by, by those that have moved on to site. So we've got interest uh, on, on this site here, which will leave us about three acres across here mm -hmm. for, for hopefully uh, us to build some follow-on units. Because actually, part of me says that if somebody is in the Food Innovation Centre for more than three, four years, we've failed. Yeah. Because actually, those are incubation to move forward. Yes, exactly. They're not startups. These are businesses that are moving at the moment, but have got a vision, business plan. So, so that support network is about recipes. It's about packaging. It, it's about developing new products. 
it's it's about uh, moving into the market and understanding where the market's going and that's all part of that package that will come from the front of there which is the which is the the, the central hub of the food innovation center yeah and we want that to be a real buzzing environment where, where they're feeding off each other as we look and think forward in terms of where markets are going what are we going to do because quite honestly i can see the crops that we are going to grow for the future will be different from those that we've got today yeah because the market is changing and if we don't change with it then we're going to have farmers that basically are are unable to make a profit from what they're producing at the moment because of the way that the 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 basic payment scheme disappearing goes they are going to need to make uh, their, 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 their sales, their profitability, which is all about sustainability, yeah. out of the marketplace. So understanding where market goes starts from right the way through the food chain. And people think the food chain actually starts at farm gate. It doesn't. <laughs> no. The food supply chain starts with, with seed breeders with fertilizer, with the equipment, the agri-tech equipment that's going in now. So in here in Norfolk, we've just had the first parsnips that have been sown autonomously. No tractor involved in it whatsoever. It's all been done by robot. Really? And Amazing. that's the way that technology is moving forward. Challenging to those like me who've been in the, in the industry for a long time, I've still got my old Massey Ferguson 35, <laughs> 1959, uh, s sitting at home. Uh, that, you know, that was old technology. Actually, the technology that we're moving to now with, with, with uh, autonomous vehicles is, is going to accelerate. There's no question. I, and I guess what we have to do as a society is, is to embrace it. We can either embrace it or we can actually forget about it. And it is dif di different. You know, I've, I've just moved to an electric car. That, it's a completely different mindset, actually, yeah. driving an electric car to a, a, a fairly big, heavy uh, Merc that I had before. Yeah. Right? And, and, and I, I then now understand the whole uh, infrastructure that's going to be required. Yeah. But actually, we say, well, how many, you know, many plug-in points are we going to need? I can see a scenario developing where actually we're going to be buried uh, cables under roads and actually you're going to get Wi-Fi as you move along and it connects up. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that's the way technology is going. It is challenging for, for those that have been traditionalists, I guess, in terms of uh, the farming industry, but, but actually it's, it's exciting. Yeah. yeah, it really is exciting. It's more than exciting. This is about how we uh, sustain the, pal uh, the, the planet. That's actually the bottom line. Yeah. So if you go back to what I said, which is energy, water and food, those are the three building blocks. If we don't look after those three, then we've got a real challenge as a, as a, as a global Earth planet. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that's where we've got to push our thoughts and process. And a lot of, lot of, uh, lot of uh, uh, I guess, technology, but actually it's a bit more than that. It, it's, it's belief. That's that, exactly that, right. That we can actually take those things 
and re-engineer them so that we're closer to nature, we understand our environment and we start to care for it. I think if not us, then who? And, and if, not, if not now, then when? And, and it, it, there's absolutely no reason. And this is, I think, the best place to be, to be leading that charge. And we've seen nothing, if nothing else, in the last couple of months. India's closed its borders to wheat exports. The, the vulnerability of an international supply chain to external shocks like uh, the invasion of Ukraine. Uh, you know, we, they're on the phone to, you know, Ukrainian ministers in bomb shelters asking them, what's, the, what's your harvest going to be like this year? How, how are you going to get it in? So we've got, we've, got, we've got to have, you know, the necessity for those conversations has really been accelerated. Yeah, it, it has. Uh, and, and I guess the, the saddest thing from my point of view... Wind noise. OK. All right. I guess the, 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 the real thing that concerns me is food poverty mm -hmm. here in the UK, where we are potentially a land of plenty. And, and, and actually the distribution of food. If there was one job I'd love to have done during my life, and uh, uh, sadly, uh, I guess we'll never do it. And, and that's actually to get involved with the United Nations in terms of distribution and development of a food policy across the globe. The millions of people who last night went to bed hungry across the world has got to be very salutary uh, to, 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 to us to think through when we can go to a supermarket right now and have our pick of the shelves. Um, and this is about how we sustain that, but actually how we create more equality across the world. Uh, and that's a big job. That is a big job. But never, never say never. If you're listening from the United Nations, actually, you know, Richard's wife, Catherine, works for the United Nations. And I, she, she, and I think she certainly works... Um, I think she's looking to move to Geneva because I met Richard a couple of weeks ago. And um, so, you know, perhaps, perhaps Richard can introduce <laughs> you and never, never say never. And, uh, you know, take advantage of, uh, of your ex expertise. I definitely think so. So I've got a few more land sales to do here and right. a few more developments. Come back and see us in three years' time. And, and, well, and absolutely. And it will look as different again. I would think so because there's, there's, I say, between... Between Condimentum and the the the, the, the Broadland Food Innovation Centre, there's there's a, there's this wide expanse of potential here, um, and you know it's it, it potential around us. It's shaped a bit like a if you look at it from above, the the Innovation Centre looks a bit like a tuning fork, doesn't it? Yes, it's kind of right. yeah, it does. And and um, it's that's been done on purpose because actually within the centre is an area that actually doesn't have any wind noise. Right. Uh, is a is a sun trap but is an area where people can mix. So the whole concept behind the Food Innovation Centre is that everyone goes in through the hub, because if you're not careful, your own little bubble in your own little office or workshop, actually that's a, that's a collaborative element. And then yeah. people start to talk to each other and that's where things feed off each other. Networks are really important, as you know. You've yeah. cultivated a lot over your life, <laughs> right? And, and, and it's important because we feed off each other. We do, we you know, certainly we do. Are, we, 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 we are characters that, that, that enjoy, uh, as we call in, in Norfolk, a model, yes. right? Uh, 
And, 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 and every so often something comes out, you go, wow, never thought about that. And that takes you off to that next level. And, and that to me is the most important thing about, about living and life. Um, we, we are, I, I firmly believe we're, we're here on the planet to actually do good, to make a difference, but we're also stewards. Uh, so we have a degree of stewardship uh, those who are landowners really understand that because they are there to hand it over to the next generation. Uh, so this, this sh to me, shouldn't be a throwaway society. This should be a society that actually cares for themselves, for others, and actually gives something on to the next generation. Yeah. That, to me, is, an, is, is, is actually the way that we should live. Well, I, that is a perfect note, I think, to... To, 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 to end on. I can't really top that as a thought. Clark Willis, it's a beautiful day. Thank you so much for showing us around the Food Enterprise Park. It's been an absolute pleasure and I really look forward to seeing it evolve over the coming, over the coming years. Thanks for coming. You're very welcome. My huge thanks to Clark Willis MBE for showing us around the Food Enterprise Park and sharing his encyclopedic knowledge of the agri-food world. But that was just a small sample of a truly fascinating interview. And to hear the full tour of the Food Enterprise Park, go to the Eastern Promise podcast feed on your podcast service of choice and you can find it there. Next week, we'll be staying on the park to visit Condimentum, which is not only continuing a proud history of mustard milling in Norwich, it's elevating it to new heights through the appliance of science. Stay tuned for that one.